Let's go. Had Let's a chance, go. but you blew it, blew it, blew it. Man, I'm great. Move on, baby, who this, who this, who this. Girl, you're messing with the wrong one. Now I'm flexing cause I'm on one. I'm on one. Flex, 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 flexing on. Flex, 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 flexing on you. to um, NBA University. We're talking about college basketball today. I'm going to start out with some overvalued teams, just right teams, and some undervalued teams. Something we're going to do some sort of variation each week um, to make sure that we don't leave anything out going on in college basketball, um, and then talk about some of the games as well. Um, then get into three more SEC teams, Florida, uh, Mississippi State, and LSU, uh, and then get into, again, another study. Um, so we'll start with getting into the, um, my favorite part of it is the overvalued teams. Um, so we each did three in each category. So Zach, start with your first team that you think is overvalued. All right, so my biggest team is NC State. Um, I you're gonna hear me say quad one, quad two more times than you could ever possibly want to in the next like 15 minutes that we do this. But I basically looked at each team, looked at their schedule, saw their wins, uh, like who they were against, where those wins came from, whether like it was a home on the road, things like that. Um, so NC State quad one is a big topic when it comes to uh, making the tournament and your seating and everything. You want to have as many quad one wins as possible. Um, I think it's the top 30 teams or 25 teams home and 30 teams on the road, something like that. Uh, I'll look that for you later on. But um, so NC State quad one wise is one and four. Their only win is Auburn, who probably could be on this list also. Um, quad two, they're four and zero, oh, but those wins came against the bottom half of the ACC as well as Penn State. So and Penn State is just god awful in the Big Ten right now. Um, so again, nothing special. Um, I really like Braxton Beverly. I really like Markel Johnson. I think those are two really solid players. But other than that, I don't think they have anything. Uh, I really wish we did this podcast a little earlier because last night they should have beat Virginia. <laughs> and then it would have looked really bad if I had them on my overvalued list. <laughs> um, but they have a really nice home environment that keeps them very competitive in a lot of big games. Um, and the last thing I'll say about them is the six of their last 11 games are quad one games. Um, so they're either going to – their stock's going to rise like crazy or they're going to drop and hit rock bottom, and I think they got a better chance of hitting rock bottom than doing anything else. Yeah, NC State was a team that I looked at as well for over, overvalued and even just right simply because um, I see them as a team that's the top 30-ish team, um, but nothing higher than the 20s. Um, and they're just sort of falling, getting closer to that – um, teen range, although with that loss to Virginia last night, um, they'll sort of back out of that again. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they they play teams well, but can't finish. Um, they can't get a, a solid W, and it, it showed showed last night um, against Virginia. So, uh, although Virginia's a top top three team, that um, still they just they should have won that game with how bad Virginia played all game. Um, but for me, 
still the way I looked at um, the overvalued, just right, and undervalued. Um, I looked at sections of the top 25. So the first eight teams, then the second eight teams, and then the, the last nine teams. Um, so for the first eight teams, that I, the team that I saw is sort of overvalued is Nevada. Um, they've been winning pretty big over CSU, um, teams like that that are sort of fringe top 200 teams in the country um, doing what they should do. Um, but just seeing the way they play the game, um, so I think Caleb Martin has 204 three-point attempts already, um, which is insane, especially since he's shooting 33%. Um, and then if they take Jordan Caroline and Jazz Johnson three-pointers um, off the team, that is a really, really bad three-point shooting team. Um, so I've talked about it before, but I just don't think Nevada's a top-10 team. I think Ken Palm has them at 16, and I think that's more uh, what they are. They just benefit from a pretty poor conference. Yeah, teams like Nevada and uh, those other like mid-major schools that are highly ranked are kind of hard to to analyze because you don't really see them play anyone, and a lot of what they are is based on how they finished last year. Kind of think of like Buffalo finished super strong in the tournament last year by hammering Arizona, which was a trendy Final Four pick, come into the year, win their first couple of big games, and suddenly they're a top 10 team. It's like, are they really the 10th best team in the country, or are they just, is there just no other way to value them because they're playing mediocre competition? Um, but Nevada definitely has struggled, even in conference, more so than I think a lot of people expected. Um, they got a lot of guys that people think have NBA talent, but I think the more they play, the less sure we are that they have a lot of NBA talent. I think they just have a great coach and a couple superstar athletes. Um, but we'll see what, what happens with them down the road. Before I do my second team, uh, so the quadrant thing, I just looked it up. Quadrant one wins uh, at home is one through 30 in the RPI. Neutral site, one through 50 in the RPI. And away from home is one through 75. Um, and then quadrant two, home 31 to 75. Neutral fifty-one to one hundred and away seventy-six to one thirty-five. So basically, the top, at worst, the top half of the country uh, at an away site is a quadrant one or quadrant two win, um, and that's what the college basketball uses probably too much to evaluate teams. But uh, with that being said, my my second overvalued team is Texas Tech. Um, they're three and four in quad one games with wins against Oklahoma, Texas, and Nebraska, which probably at best are like the 6 to 10 range in terms of the tournament seeding. Um, Nebraska probably not going to make the tournament at this point. Texas with a big win last night against Kansas. Um, still need to, to do some more work down the road, and Oklahoma struggled of late also. Um, I think the Big 12 is itself is a little overvalued also, uh, but just because it's not as strong at the top as it has been in recent years. Um, so Texas Tech, I think, will end up fine. Uh, their defense, it's at the absolute worst, is a top three defense in the country. Uh, they're going to statistically be ranked first probably all year long just because, as Michael told you in a podcast before, their worst defender is like an 85-point-something for 100 possession, which is ridiculous. Uh, but they need to find Jared Culver some help and – I think until they can sure up at least something offensively, they're overvalued. 
Yeah, I, I think they have to figure it out offensively, um, big time to to justify the. I think they're at sixteen right now, um, and Tariq Owens is showing a little bit of flashes as of late. Um, Matt Mooney has been really inconsistent, uh, and then Davia Reddy um, is someone that I don't think can take a offensive load. More of a just um, catch and shoot type of guy, occasionally put it on the floor. Um, so they def- Marco Bellinelli. Yeah, but without the ridiculous shot attempts. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, offensively they need to to figure something out to to be justifying that rank. Um, but for me, my second second team is uh, Marquette. Um, I was honestly shocked to see them. Um, they're tenth in the AP, ninth in the coaches poll. Um, I think because I'm so locked in on the SEC right now, but watching them play, uh, I don't see a top 10 team at all. Um, they have Marcus Howard, the Hauser brothers, um, Theo John, and yeah, that's really it. Um, they just don't play defense. I mean, their biggest win in the past um, few weeks is against Creighton at Creighton in overtime when they put up 106 points. Um, they rely on shot making. Um, and if Marcus Howard or, or Sam Hauser isn't going, uh, they're going to struggle offensively. And without a strong defense, uh, they're not a top 10 team even close. So I don't know what you think about them. Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, Marcus Howard is an All-American and Player of the Year candidate, no doubt about it. But I think it's funny that Marquette's ranked so highly because all year long, all I've heard from, like, the media regards to the Big East and um, the talent level there is that there's no top, like no one, there's anything could happen in the conference. So how the heck do you end up with a team in the top 10? I have no idea, but um, I've, I think Marquez is a, is a top 25 team for sure. Top 10 is crazy to me, especially with the teams that are behind them that are, I think would hammer them on a neutral site on the road, anything. Um, I think the, that win over Wisconsin that they had early in the year is kind of propelling them a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I, they'd be on my overvalued list too. But speaking of Wisconsin and the Big Ten, that's my entire third choice is all of the Big Ten. Um, this is – I feel like I get more of a Big Ten experience than anyone could ever want just because I go to a Big Ten school and have to watch a lot of Big Ten basketball. Um, and consistently, even I say that they're the second-best conference in – college basketball and i think the consensus is they're at at least a top two conference um but so i'm just gonna run through the top five teams really quick with some like brief basically just their big games so michigan who's tied for first with michigan state right now um michigan's two toughest games were at home against unc and at wisconsin um they went one and one in those games so that's fine but Still only played two, like, super significant games, in my opinion. Uh, they play great defense. They're mediocre at best in offense. Um, still a top 15 team at worst, I would say. Probably a top 10 team. Michigan State, their three toughest games were at Louisville, at Purdue, and a neutral site against Kansas. They went 0-3 in those games. Um, obviously, still don't have Josh Langford right now, but I don't see why so many people pick them as a Final Four team. I don't think they have near enough talent they probably have the experience in the coaching but i think at some point the talent levels they're going to face someone a lot better than them 
Uh, Purdue's the third best team right now. Struggled a ton early. Just rattled off win after win after win um, recently, and that's great. But they haven't beaten literally anyone decent outside the Big Ten. Um, Maryland is next with Wisconsin. Maryland is has played two legit games outside the Big Ten, lost at home to Virginia, and lost to Seton Hall. Uh, bad losses in conference to a five-win Illinois team and Purdue, and Purdue is still awful at the beginning of the year. And then Wisconsin, who's honestly resume-wise the best team in the Big Ten. They're six and four in quad one games, uh, but they're in the midst of a five-game, five-straight quad one game schedule. Uh, I mean, they're still up in the air too. So basically, the whole point of get, going through those five teams is to say that there's no way that you can say that those teams have like resumes or um even the the stats right now to tell me that they're as good as people think they are with i want to say five teams in the top 25 um and and 10 teams projected to make the tournament i think is ridiculous yeah it's gonna be interesting around um right before the big 10 conference tournament starts how it all shakes out because uh, it seems like as soon as one team feels like they're stepping away from the rest, uh, they have a bad loss or that they look like they're um, the conference as a whole, everyone's playing well. Uh, they'll have Michigan State lose um, or have Maryland lose to Illinois, something like that. Um, so it's just finding that consistency. Um, outside of Michigan, I mean, without, I mean, obviously Michigan hasn't played um, too many tough games, but the consistency is is struggling here um, for for the Big Ten. So I, I, and even Michigan's is not blowing teams out that they should be beating, and they're keeping things interesting. So I don't know what to think about them entirely yet. I know. I mean, you, you watch them play, and they look like they're playing well. They give up a few sort of six zero eight zero runs, uh, and the other teams back in it, um, but they. They seem to always pull it out, um, so it is tough to evaluate. And, and Jordan Poole's a guy that's gone from someone who's expected to be back to uh, potentially a first-round pick this summer. So um, interesting with Michigan. Um, but, yeah, the Big Ten, who knows the way it's going to go. Uh, Purdue has been a really weird team this year, uh, and I don't know how they're going to finish up. They're, I think, 14-6 and six right now. Um, but I really have no clue where they're going to go. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, for my, my third team, um, I actually picked a team we're covering today, Mississippi State. Um, again, this is the last nine teams of the top 25. Uh, I'm just not super impressed with Mississippi State. Um, they have some bad losses. Uh, they seem to be struggling in the SEC. Um, but just overall as a team, it's just like, I don't know what it is about them, but when I watch them, it's a, it's a very average team. Uh, I don't see them making uh, big-time moves. I don't see them as a top 25 team. I think they're a top 35 team, but um, a 22-21 ranking, uh, I don't see that for them. Yeah, I think they're going to finish probably around 500 in the SEC. Um, and you're going to hate it when I say they're like, Ole Miss when we talk about them later on, but um, they're, I mean, so last year, I, I want to say 
don't quote me on it, but I think they rattled off like 14 straight or something like that to start the year. And people were like, who the heck? Like Ben Howland, what's going on here? Um, and it was it was like St. John's this year, like literally played nobody. And then they had their first couple tests and survived, played well, and then just went all downhill. And, and they returned that same team. So I think there's a little hangover from that pretty much. Um, they do have solid players. We'll get into it more later. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think they're just an outside-the-top-25 team. That's still definitely competitive and able to win some tournament games, but not valued correctly right now, I would say. Yeah. Um, so we want to jump into just right. Who do you think is ranked just right? So my first team with this is Kentucky. Um, Kentucky, for me, I ignore the loss to Duke. Um, that's a two pretty much entirely freshman teams that are in the huge stage for the first time, and it looked like one team was ready and the other team wasn't. So I'm going to throw that entirely out. Um, the loss to Seton Hall, kind of a weird one to me, but right after that happened, something clicked, and they seemed to get it rolling. And then, of course, they play their first conference game on the road at Alabama and lose. Um, again, all freshmen playing on the road in their first conference game. You can kind of give them a little bit of leeway there. Um, Honestly, I still think they have more talent than any team in the entire country. From top to bottom, I don't think any roster can compete with Kentucky in terms of talent. I think they're a top-ten team all day long, um, which is where they are right now. I think at some point in the near future, they're going to become undervalued because I do think they're a top – I think they're at least a top-three team in the country when they're playing consistently. Um, but I don't know that they're going to get to that consistent level, at least for a little while if they ever do. Um, so I think where they are right now in the some polls in between five and ten range around six and seven specifically is exactly right for them. Yeah, yeah. Kentucky's a team I battled with just or just right or undervalued, um, and I cautioned with undervalued because last time we said they were turning a corner, they came up with a <laughs> loss. So um, yep, I just sort of stayed away. But yeah, it makes sense. Kentucky um, has a ton of talent. PJ Washington is really taking off right now. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, the, the guy is, a, is an elite talent in college basketball and finally sort of given the reins and is putting up, I think, like five or six straight 20-point games and really showing off um, how good of a basketball player he is. Um, for me, my, my first just-right team um, is Duke. And <laughs> um, the reason I... They're undervalued. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I really because um, I think second is the perfect place for Duke. Gives them a little edge to something to go after. Um, with them being young, I don't think they're the best overall team right now. Um, I think that does rightfully so belong to Tennessee at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean Duke is definitely the second best team in in. Uh, in the country right now, um, they have obviously the potential to be the best and, and end up winning it all. Um, but I think for them right now, second is absolutely perfect for them. Yeah, I couldn't agree. I have nothing to add to that. I couldn't, couldn't agree anymore with what you just said. Um, who do you got for um, so, so my second team is Virginia Tech, um, a team that just absolutely hammered Syracuse. Um, got hammered by Virginia. You know, they've kind of been a little up and down at points, um, but really an incredible offensive team. Just have a lot of really 
scoring type players um, led by Justin Robinson. Uh, they're they're experienced. They're a veteran team. Good coach. Play just hard all the time, especially at home. Um, so the the two loss two losses at Virginia and at UNC aren't bad. The Penn State loss, which was on the road, somehow is a quadrant one loss right now, which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but I mean, I guess you can excuse at least two of the three losses. So not terrible to look at. Um, but I, I really think this is a top 10 potential team. But right now, sitting at the 12 spot, I think is absolutely ideal for them. Um, they're, they're lacking a little bit of size. And they don't seem to fit the mold of like a title contender right now. Um, but like a Sweet 16 Elite 8 type team, which is what, to me, the 12 range is. Uh, I think is perfect for them. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a kid that just continues to impress me every single time I turn their games on. Uh, he had, I think, like seven assists in their last game and just absolutely dominated. But, uh, yeah, Virginia Tech at 12, I think, is a perfect spot. Yeah, yeah, Virginia Tech is rightfully so just outside the top 10 um, with that potential of getting there. I just think their lack of depth is going to hurt them um, down the line. But... Definitely in the perfect spot right now. Um, for me, I'm going a little different with this one. Um, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, but I think Houston is ranked just right. Um, it is tough with these. Houston's not necessarily mid-major because they, they play um, with like teams like Cincinnati. Um, but I think with the record being 21, beating up on some bad teams, I think being in that middle of the top 25 makes the most sense. Um, you have to reward a team that already has 20 wins um, through January. Um, but you can't go into the top 10 with them. So I think sort of in that middle range right there is, is perfect for them. Yeah, I mean, their only loss is on the road at Temple in a four-point game. Um, Temple's known to be pesky in the American Athletic Conference, especially when a ranked team's coming into their house. Um, Kelvin Sampson's done an incredible job there, and they're just competitive every year. Last year they were great. This year they're even better. Uh, I, I think for sure they're they're in a good spot. Honestly, you could probably even argue they're a tiny bit undervalued. Yeah. Um, but like you said, they're the first team that 20 wins this year, and you got to say something for that. Uh, so my third team is going to be a little different here. Uh, instead of praising some teams, I'm going to not praise this team. Uh, so I have Auburn here, um, and the reason I have them as just right is because they're currently 26th, so just outside the top 25, um, and I think that's exactly where they belong. I honestly don't think they're as good as people think they are. Uh, I know that going into the year, they more or less they were thought to be the third best team in the SEC. Honestly, they still could be the third best team. I think they're probably close to the fourth or fifth best team. Um, but they're losing to pretty much every team at the top of the conference right now. They have three straight conference losses. They're 0-5 quad one, 5-1 and one in quad two. So to me, when I see such a big discrepancy like that, so they're, they're losing to a ton of teams in the top like 50, say, RPI-wise, and then they're beating everyone in like the 100 to 200 range. That tells me they probably themselves are a 100 to 200 range type team. Obviously, I don't think they're the 200th ranked team in RPI in the country, but I don't think they're a top 25 team at all. Um, with that being said, I love Jared Harper. 
he's an absolute stud, and I think Bryce Brown is usually pretty solid. I think they need a lot more consistency from him to get to where they want to be, but as of right now, I just don't see them as being that good. I think they're a five seed um, at absolute best in the tournament with some help probably, uh, and they just need to figure out how to take good shots and play more consistently. Yeah, Auburn's a weird team. I still look at their lineup. I watch them play. It's like they should be better than what they are, um, but they're just not playing to their potential. And maybe it's because last year they had a chip on their shoulder being picked last in the SEC, um, and this year they're sort of expected to be good, and they don't really have that um, extra push. So maybe that's why. Um, but, yeah, 26. Um, I have them 25th in my top 25. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's right around where they should be. Um, so that makes sense. But, yeah, I mean, I see them more as a seven seed in, in the tournament. Um, but, yeah, right around, right around that five would be ideal for them. Um, but for me, my, my last just right team um, is Maryland. Now, <laughs> I picked two of your, one of your favorite teams in the school you go to um, <laughs> and just right. And the reason I picked Maryland just right um, they're ranked 21st in AP, um, 24th in the coaches' poll. Um, I have them in 20, at 23rd. I think that makes sense for them. Um, they have a very good talent, um, starting with Bruno Fernando, Jalen Smith, um, Anthony Cowan, and they, they play well. They just have lapses. Um, they have the potential to be a top 15 team. It's just these lapses um, against Illinois. Um, they had some lapses um, in other conference games, like against Wisconsin, just things that they could do better um, to pull out these Ws um, that they're they're not right now. So I think for them, the end of the top 25 makes the most sense. Yeah, I really feel for people that are diehard Maryland fans. Like, I'm a, I'm a student, so I'm a fan, obviously, and I am always mad when they lose, but for people, like... If I was for whoever likes Maryland the way I like Duke, I really feel for you because they are the most frustrating team to follow. Like they they get up to thirteen in the rankings, play great games at Ohio State, look like they finally got it clicking, and then they go to Madison Square Garden, have a twenty one turnover game against a five win Illinois team, and lose by eleven <laughs> after blowing like an eighteen point lead. Like what are you? How is that possible? Um, la- their last game they just played against Northwestern, they hammered them on, at home. Uh, Anthony only took like six shots, I think, and Bruno and Jalen were the only two above in double-digit shot attempts. I think that's where they need to go the rest of the year because I think they're obviously go through your two best players and then surround them with shooters and have kickouts for threes when Bruno and Jalen are doubled or can't score. Um, I think they definitely are a top 25 team just based on talent alone. I think the reason they're not a top 15 team is because of coaching and the inability to run a consistent offense that can get people open and get shots um but yeah they're a 21 to 30 type team in my mind so i think they're in a pretty good spot where they are yeah they would be a top 15 team with a different coach but that's a different podcast (laughs) yeah that's a lot of podcasts (laughs) so i'm gonna shock the world here with my first under undervalued team being iowa state i bet you no one saw that one (laughs) so currently ranked 20th in the in the AP poll, um, since Lindell Wigginson has been back, they're six and three. They have wins over Kansas and Texas Tech, 
and Old Miss on the road. Um, their only losses are at Baylor, who's well, by three, and Baylor seems like they've turned a corner recently as well. That's a quad one loss. Um, and then home to Kansas State by one in a game they probably shouldn't have lost, but still Kansas State had Dean Wade in that game as well. And then at Kansas by four in a game that they had pretty much won until the last like five minutes. Um, so those are their three losses since when Wigginson's been back. All of them not bad, all of them by it's less than a two possession each time. Um, they're loaded with talent. They're playing really well defensively, which I did not see coming, to be completely honest. Besides Shayok, I didn't think they had too many good defenders. Um, but Wigington looks like he's close to being back to who he was last year. Uh, and when he hits that point, I think they're just they're skyrocketing from there. Uh, I really like Iowa State. I think they should be a top 15 team. I know they have five losses, and it's hard to to elevate them based on that. But if you look at how they've played when they've had their full roster available, um, I don't think there's 20 teams in the country better than them. Yeah, they with what you think back, they are playing a lot better, especially that game against Ole Miss. Um, our little friendly wager there. Um, <laughs> I knew it was going to be tough for them um, because Iowa State has such such size at their guards. I mean, Wigton 6'2", but um, Wyler Babb 6'6", Shayak 6'6". I mean, you have these guys that are Halliburton 6'6". I mean, these guys are just have good size and can really attack the hoop. Um, and everyone seems to be playing well right now. Um, Horton Tucker's playing better uh, since we last talked about them. So overall, they're just... He still playing. needs to stop shooting threes, though. Yeah, I mean, he's still in the 20s, isn't he? Uh, Three-point yep. percentage. Um, so mm-hmm. he, he's not afraid to let it go. Um, but once they sort of nail that down and, and get Wigington going, Wheeler Babb, I really like him, the way he's been playing. Um, sort of yeah, like, he's been great. Just sort of taking what they're giving him, um, not trying to overextend himself because he knows Shayok, Wigginton, Horton Tucker, they're going to get the, they're gonna get their shots, so he sort of jumps in when he can. And then Halliburton in transition is deadly. Um, and on kickouts, so they have a they have a team that um, I think is far better than a team like Nevada, who's ranked eighth. Um, so um, they're definitely undervalued, and, and I left them out of my undervalued because I certainly knew you would have them in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, my first one, it was to be honest, it was very difficult for the first eight teams to find an undervalued team. Um, because I think the first three are, are perfect um, right now with Tennessee, Duke, Virginia. Um, then Gonzaga, I'm kind of washy on. I think they're more leaning towards just right to overvalued rather than undervalued. Um, then the two the two Big Ten teams, um, and I feel like Kentucky's right is perfect right now. Then obviously Nevada's overvalued. Um, so I went with Michigan simply because. I think they have a great overall team. Um, Simpson, Xavier Simpson's been great defensively, um, great leading the team. Jordan Poole's been awesome. Uh, Charles Matthews has been a little quiet, but playing really well defensively. And Bresdinkus has been all right, um, with Teske just being a massive body playing well. And then Livers and Brooks coming off. Um, I think they just have a really solid team, and I think they can – 
they'll start to show what how good they are once they start playing some better talent. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't off the top of my head for some reason. Oh, Ohio State game. Um, they just played Ohio State, and I said on their Twitter account that they remind me of the Virginia of old, which basically means they're loaded with offensive talent, but they still score 55 to 60 <laughs> points a game. It's like, what? how is that even possible? Um, so they're the type – the way that they're playing this year and that their offense isn't quite where it should be, um, but their defense is clearly one of the best in the country, is creating these low-scoring competitive games that are in like the high 50s, low 60s. And it also lets the other teams hang around. Like when they're playing teams that are, you know, like top 30, say, um, that have some talent, obviously, they can keep these games within a couple possessions against Michigan. And then if Michigan goes cold for a little stretch, they lose. Um, so obviously that hasn't happened a whole lot yet since they have one loss. But uh, it just reminds me a lot of how Virginia has been the past couple of years, which makes me a little nervous about it. But the way that you did with like the top eight and everything, um, I think that you can't go wrong, really, with an undervalued team up there. Um, probably except Nevada. Um, I'm actually going with a top eight team as well, and but I'm going to go with Gonzaga. And the only reason I think they're undervalued is because I haven't heard a single person say the name Gonzaga probably since they played Duke. And actually, no, North Carolina, but still. Um, I mean, they're loaded with talent. They have, they're actually number one in offense, I believe, in the country right now. Um, they have a ton of experience and they're going to go entirely under the radar for the rest of the year because they will not play a team that most people have heard of outside maybe BYU for the rest of the year um, in St. Mary's. Yeah, well, that's only because we talked about it. But they actually play San Diego tonight, who you've already bet on once this year, so I wonder if you'll throw some more money. Watch out, um, San Diego with the upset. (laughs) Just kidding. Not going to happen. Their only losses are at UNC and Tennessee on a neutral site. So there's your number one team in the country on a neutral site and a top 10 team on the road. Um, I just think they're I, – I don't think anyone thinks that they're not good. I think they're undervalued just because nobody remembers that they're this good, as good as they really are right now. Um, and come tournament time, a lot of people are going to be filling out brackets and a lot of people are going to have Gonzaga at least in the Elite Eight. So – the fact that no one talks about a team that's that good is crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, Gonzaga is loaded with talent. Um, my The only reason I was saying just right or overvalued is I think Michigan's slightly better um, because they play such good defense, and Gonzaga is very inconsistent defensively. Uh, Brandon Clark's been awesome um, for them. Rui hasn't been as good as um, I had hoped. Um, I, didn't, I was expecting a little bit more of a leap. Um, for him to be sort of a lottery pick. Um, and then Zach Norvell really hasn't grown any much anymore um, over the past couple of years. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're still um, easily a team that can make the Final Four and win it. Um, I thought you just didn't pick him because Kelly and Tilly is back. That's what I thought the reason was. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> he's definitely an overvalued player. Um, Just wait until you see my big board for this draft. <laughs> Did he make it? <laughs> He's got his own section. It's at the very bottom. You got to scroll very far. There you go. Um, but for me, my, my second undervalued team may come as a surprise because they're pretty high up. Um, but Louisville, 
Um, they have five losses, but um, they did just hammer North Carolina at North Carolina. Um, they're playing extremely well, and it's something we talked about early on in the podcast that they need some time to gel. They got some transfers. They got a bunch of new players um, sort of putting everything together, and now it's starting to come together um, as a team. They look so much better than the first part of the season, and I think they they have the talent to be a top 12 team um, to even potentially move up into the top 10. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they've, they've sort of turned a corner here and putting it all together. Oh, yeah, 6-1 and one in the ACC already, and definitely look like they're starting to play more as a team. And that Kentucky game scared me because they all kind of went in their separate directions and played their own little game. Um, but recently they've really got it going. Uh, and like we said, and I think it was one of our – it might have been our first podcast that they are just – they're the type of team when March comes around, if they're starting to play together, you don't want to play them. Yeah. Um, and I think they're hitting that stride right now. Huge game with North Carolina coming into town on Saturday. So we'll see if they can continue that. Yeah, it's a big um, revenge game. But my game. last – what's that? Oh, I was just saying it's a big revenge game for North Carolina after getting hammered at home. It looks like yeah. 20. By, yeah, not – that's dangerous for Louisville, but – Let's hope it's a repeat performance. Right. Um, but my last over or what are we on? Undervalued. There you go. Uh, th- this team could be in any freaking category. I really don't know, honestly. But Kansas State, um, and to me, the reason they're undervalued is because simply since Dean Wade's been back, they're just the team that a lot of people thought they would be. Um, since he's been back, they're 3-0 in quad one games. Uh, and then, of course, to make me sound just so intelligent, they follow that up by losing on the road to Texas A&M in a game I still have no idea how that happened. Um, they only have one game left that's not a quad one or quad two game, so they're, they're it's a tough schedule coming up. Um, we're going to learn a ton about them, but I think as Wade gets more back into the flow of the game and um, back in shape, and game shape at least, um, they're only going to get better. He's only going to get better, and uh, Brown's been really good at getting to the hoop again, which just changes his game and the team as a whole because they do have some decent shooters. Um, and when they're given a light offensive load, they're very capable. But without Dean Wade, they kind of had to pick up a whole lot of slack, and that hurt them a lot. Um, but now with their, again, like Iowa State, the team fully healthy and, and back playing the way that they're supposed to be playing, um, I think they're undervalued right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, their defense is always going to be – top 10 and be terrible to go against. Um, it's just when Barry Brown goes and tries to take over the offense um, is when they struggle offensively. So as long as he's doing his job and getting to the rim and getting to the paint, making guys better off of that rather than just trying to finish everything around the rim, um, I think they're definitely undervalued. Um, for me, um, I went back and forth with a couple teams, um, but I'm going to go with LSU. Uh, I think they have a really, really solid team. We'll talk more about them in, in just a bit, um, but they're ranked 19th right now. I think they're um, a team that could be bumped up a little bit more. Uh, they got three really good sort of offensive options um, with their freshman Nas Reed. Um, sort of bringing in more than I think they would expect um, offensively, especially three-point shooting. Um, but I think they're a team that is 
very well-rounded uh, and can um, bring a lot to the tournament and win a get to a second week get to the second weekend yeah I mean I will leave it at that for now and just touch on them again later but I also agree I think they're undervalued for sure yeah so um, that's the three sections that we'll we'll do we'll, we'll sort of do it a little bit weekly maybe one team each category um, just sort of give you updates on, on different teams that we haven't talked about in a while um, but we're gonna take a, a quick break and then start getting into those three SEC teams. So we're going to jump into Mississippi State first, um, get into the Bulldogs. We talked a little bit about them um, sort of being an overvalued team. Um, their lineup, so their starters uh, as of recently has been Lamar Peters at point, um, Nick Weatherspoon, um, then Quindary Weatherspoon with Eric Coleman and Abdul Addo in, in the front court. Then they bring, um, they have sort of nine guys in their rotation uh, so Reggie Perry, Robert Woodard, Tyson Carter, and Keyshawn um, Bazell will round out them. Uh, what do you think about the individual guys on this team? Uh, so they're to me, they're led by the Weatherspoon Bros um, in terms of production and everything. But in terms of the way they play, it seems like when Lamar Peters is playing to his capability, they're really hard to beat. And when he doesn't have such a great game, they really struggle. Um, and it, so, the, obviously, that would lead you to believe they kind of go as he goes. But I do think their guard play is pretty solid. I, I mean, I think Quindary Witherspoon is very good. Um, I think Peters is, again, pretty solid. Eric Holman is a nice big for their style of play, um, the, the rim-running athletic-type big. Uh so, I mean, I think they have good pieces. I seriously, truly believe that they're very similar to Ole Miss. Like, they start four guys under 6'4", or at least they're on the court together for a large portion of the game. Um, so they go with a small athletic four-guard lineup uh, and, and really just they're a shooting-type team as well. Um, they don't shoot it nearly as well as Ole Miss, in my opinion, but uh, they their focus is definitely shooting. Um a team I'm not crazy about overall, but I think their players are solid. Yeah, I, I like their individual players a lot. Like Eric Coleman, um, shooting 43% from three um, on 94 attempts. I mean, he's been a, a pleasant surprise efficient-wise um, from three, giving them some spacing when they needed to have a big lineup. Um, when they go small, they bring in Tyson Carter. Um and they like that small lineup, um, something that they run quite a bit. Um, it's about 10% of their lineups is when he's in. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they got a lot of good pieces. Lamar Peters is a very good player. Uh, he really runs the show. Um, when he's getting to his averages, so 13 and 6, 
uh, they're more likely to win. Um, it's something that he struggled with in SEC play this year. Um, and then Quindary has been sort of their consistent, consistent guy offensively. He's getting his 17 points, um, but not not as great defensively. Just sort of a guy out there that's gonna go get his go get his points, um, and really doesn't play well. I would say off of others. Um, then um, it's just a team that has so much potential, uh, but something is missing there. And I don't know. I can't put my finger on it watching them. Um, but it really does start and, and end with Mar Peters if he's playing well or not. Um, but, I mean, they, they do have good good offensive numbers. I mean, they're 21st ranked in, off, in offense efficiency, um, putting up about 115 points a game uh, per 100 possessions. So, I mean, they're, and they're, they shoot good percentages. I mean, 37 from three, 54 from two, um, and knock down their free throws. So, I mean, it... it Comes down to their defensive effort uh, and getting Lamar Stevens or Lamar Stevens, uh, <laughs> Lamar Peters, getting him going um, and comfortable against these SEC teams that tend to have bigger guards that are guarding him because he's listed at six foot, but probably um, a little bit shorter than that. Yeah, I completely agree. Something's missing. I mean, if they continue on the trajectory they're on right now. So they're three and four in conference, um, but kind of have already gone through the, the meat of their SEC schedule, minus having to play Tennessee twice still, or once still, sorry. Um, but I think that they're like a six to seven, possibly an eight seed, nine seed, if they really struggle down the stretch. Um, and it, it's a type of team where, I think there's like a 50-50 chance there they lose their first game by 15 to 20 points or they make it to the second weekend and it feels like there's no in-between. It's like they either can have something really quick and just play amazingly well or they can just be atrocious. And I I don't think that there's like an in-between for them. Um, I would lean more towards losing their first game than I would saying their second weekend team. But it's they're an interesting team because their talent is there. The athletes are there. The coach is there. It's just a matter of putting it all together and getting it rolling at the right time. Yeah, and there's there's a team that can get it going in the SEC tournament. I mean, if you're looking at their their schedule, it's like they're two different teams every every game. I mean, they beat Vanderbilt by nearly 20 points at Vanderbilt. And despite Vanderbilt's record, they're a very solid team. Um, and then go lose by 21 to Kentucky. Um and then beat Auburn and lose to Alabama. It's just like they're very they're so up and down. Um, it's really like two teams are playing every other game. So it's just hard to, to pinpoint what they're doing um, and how to project them moving forward. Because, I mean, they have a tough schedule coming up here. They play at Ole Miss um, and then come home to LSU, Kentucky, and Alabama. So those are four games right in a row that, that are very difficult. Um, and if they don't come out with a 500 or better record, um, I think they, the season sort of ends for them um, where it turns into um, a last four in or an NIT type of, type of team. 
Anything else to add on them? I think I'm good with Mississippi State. If you're good. Yeah. Um, sorry, Mississippi State fans, we didn't give you enough. Uh, just <laughs> difficult to pinpoint them right now. <laughs> um, yeah. we'll, we'll take a, another short break and uh, get into LSU. Okay, so we're going to get into LSU. We gave you a little foreshadowing earlier. Um, we feel that this team's undervalued at this point. Um, they have a, a very solid starting five and um, sort of go pretty deep on their bench. Um, they start with Tremont Waters, who's, who in my opinion is their best player, um, then Skylar Mays and Marlon Taylor um, in the backcourt with him with Nas Reed and Caval Big B Williams transfer from Oregon um, in the front court. Then they have Javante Smart, um, Emmett Williams, Darius Day, Days, and uh, Daryl Edwards sort of coming off the bench, um, all averaging sort of 16 minutes or better uh, a game. So really a, a big rotation. So what do you what do you like about these guys? Yeah, I, I'm 110 percent all in on Tremont Waters. Um, I think he's he's a he's a first team All SEC player. Um, I want to say he's probably the third, maybe fourth best player in the conference as it is right now. Uh, he he's just does it all. He's he's only a sophomore. He's doing everything better than expected. Um, not shooting threes crazy well. I think he's only thirty one percent right now. Uh, he is a, I, in my opinion, he's a good shooter. I think that number will will rise as the season goes on. Um, Nas Reed is a really good freshman big that can step out and shoot it. Uh, really, the only thing that is negative on him is I've frequently heard his motor come into question, um, and that's never a great situation when, when you're questioning effort. But he loves to shoot. Um, he will always be looking for his points and is, is a good piece to have on a, on a college team as a big that just creates mismatch problems. Um, and then if you if anyone saw their game against uh, Missouri, where they won by six in overtime, they were down, I think, 16 with like two minutes and 45 seconds to go. Um, and Skylar Mays pretty much put on a Reggie Miller-type display, um, brought them all the way back, tied up the game, went into overtime when they won it, and covered the spread, might I add. Um, <laughs> but, um yeah, he's a, he's a really good shooter. He's a good defender. Cavell Bigby Williams is about as good of a shot blocker as you're going to find in college basketball. Um, another great rim running type player. Just get down the court, get in the way, block shots, defend, rebound, all that kind of stuff. Um, the scariest part about LSU for me is that the meat of their schedule is basically now. Um, they've gone through conference play so far, not having to play Tennessee, Kentucky. Um, those type of teams, Auburn. So now we're getting into those games um, where they're definitely going to be tested. Luckily, they only play Kentucky once, Tennessee once, um, Florida twice, but we're still not sure about Florida. Um, so so their schedule isn't too tough, I think. 
I mean, it, this is the meat of their schedule, but in terms of how hard the SEC schedule could be that they have, they didn't get one of the harder ones. Um, so, so they're going to have a good shot here. They've set themselves up well so far. Um, and I honestly think they are looking at like a five seed at worst. Yeah, I, I think they really did set themselves up nicely with put, pulling off ninth straight, um, which should turn into to at least 11th straight with Texas A&M and Arkansas coming up. Um, and then sort of get into the better SEC teams with Mississippi State, Auburn, Kentucky. Um, all right in a row, um, but yeah, I mean they they have the teams. They I mean they have the players that that can beat good teams. Um, like you said, Skylar Mays really saved them in that Missouri game. Um, someone who can really shoot the ball well. Doesn't get his shot very well. Like um, sort of relies on Tremont Water setting him up, um, but is someone that can really knock down some shots. Um, Marlon Taylor is insanely athletic. I didn't realize that um, he's as athletic as he is. Tremont Waters threw, threw him an alley-oop that he caught down by his knees and sort of double-pumped, and it was his eyes were over the rim. So he's just a freak athlete that can uh, defend a little bit, um, but he's just going to be their energy guy. Uh, and like you said, Nas Reed, uh, I don't know if it's his motor or if it's just his the way he – like the style of play – um, where he's very laid back, not very emotional, um, just going to sort of go about the game. Um, and and the, the problem that I have with him is sometimes his decision-making. He'll, he'll run a pick-and-roll, get a, have a short roll, sort of where he sets the screen and gets the ball right away off the roll. Um, and he struggles with decision-making there, um, where he has to make a pass or put the ball on the floor. Um, he's... They've been taking a lot of charges on him there. He's been throwing it into double teams, getting a trap. Um, so he just needs to improve that, um, and he's going to be um, a first-round pick in the NBA. But, yeah, I mean, this team I think has a lot of, a lot of good, good pieces that fit well together, um, and, and Tremont Waters is the perfect guy to have um, sort of running the show for them. So, yeah, I, I think for sure four or five seed for them in the tournament. Um, where do you think they land um, in the tournament? How far do they get? Yeah, so I was kind of looking at that because the, it's it's a dangerous team because of how how well they mesh together and the type of players they have. But in terms of like picking them to win games, it's also a dangerous team because they're led by just unexperienced youth. Um, and I mean, Will Wade's an awesome coach. So if anything, I that just helps pick them but in terms of the actual players that they're going to have in the field or on the field wow <laughs> on the court oh my gosh it's been really a long day already yeah there we go um but yeah to me i think i'm comfortable picking them to win their first round game and then depending on their matchup probably would go against them um but i really wouldn't be surprised to see them upset just because of how young they really are yeah and i can see Nasri having a, a tough time in the tournament where the level is just completely amped up and someone who's not very emotional when they play um, can can either help them tremendously or hurt them. Um, so it is going to be tough to, to pick them. 
uh, to go. Play. I think they're a year ahead of schedule, basically, because so Trey is a sophomore, Javante Smart's a freshman, Skyler Mays is a junior, um, Nas Reed's obviously a freshman, Marlon Taylor's a junior. Pretty much the only senior that is le- legitimately playing is Cavell Bigby Williams. Um, so next year, I don't think they'll have Nas Reed. If they did, wow! But yeah. next year feels more like their their year. Yeah, for sure. They're, de- they're definitely ahead of schedule. Um, but they, they can't take any moral wins. They need to sort of take it as far as they can, play as hard as they can, because they're showing off that they're a good team, um, being really good teams um, so far and putting all together with a nine in a row. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I like to see where they, they end up in the tournament. Uh, but, yeah, let's... Let's take a, another quick one, and we'll jump into Florida for the last SEC team. Blue, orange, blue, orange, blue, orange, blue, orange, hey, blue. If you ain't know, we the Florida Gators, and everybody hate them. And let me see you jump, 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 jump. Let me see you jump. And so for the last team, we're going to do Florida, um, a team similar to, to Purdue in my mind that has been sort of all over the place and hard to figure out what's going on with them. Um, a team that brings back a ton of talent and brings in a, a bunch of talent freshman-wise. Um, their starting lineup, um, Andrew Nemhard, a freshman guard, um, Keevon Allen, he's been there seemingly forever. Then um, Noah Locke, Keontae Johnson, and Kavarius Hayes round out their starting five with um, their sort of senior who has underperformed, Jalen Hudson coming off the bench now, um, DeAndre Ballard, Keystone, um, and then some, some guys that play a little bit, um, Dante Bassett, Michael Kura, and Isaiah Stokes. Um, so who, where do you think the problems come from Florida in the beginning of seasons, and do you think they're starting to figure it out now? Well, problems definitely don't come from lack of talent because this team top to bottom has plenty of it. Um, the problem to me comes from the fact that you have multiple guys thinking, kind of thinking they are the top dog um, and, and not being able to figure out the right shots. Um, at least at the beginning of the year, there was a serious disconnect, I guess you could say, between the team that kind of the ball would go to a side and it would just isolation, get my own shot type of deal. Um, and they have a bunch of guys that can get their own shot, but they're way better in a situation where they're just getting kick-out open looks or attacking and making a play for someone else. Um, like Kavon Allen taking 103-3 so far to me is like, I don't know, 30 too many probably. Um, I, I really like Andrew Nevard as a freshman point guard. I think he's mature beyond his years. Um, I think he's been about as good as I expected him to be so far this year. Um, but I think that the, the obviously the disconnect is between Jalen Hudson and uh, Mike White, who's the coach, and possibly a little bit Kavon Allen. 
Um, just tr- really trying to figure out whose team this is, I think, and who's, like, what direction they want to go in. Um, and I still don't think they've really figured it out. Um, the loss at TCU by five, to me, I think that's a game they should win. I know it's at TCU, but they're 11-8 and eight right now, 3-3 three and three in conference. This is a veteran team, guys that have been there, done that before for the most part, especially Jalen Hudson, Kavon Allen, um, Kavarius Hayes, Keith Stone. Um, if they want to make the tournament, they needed to do it about five games ago. Um, and they haven't put more than three wins together yet this year in a row. So they're, they've dug themselves a massive hole, and I honestly don't think they can get out of it. Yeah, and that loss to TCU, TCU didn't have Jalen Hudson, or Jalen Fisher, jeez. Fisher, God, yeah. Man, I'm all over the place today. Um, <laughs> too many similar names. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they need to win that TCU game. They just had no one that could stop Kawat Noy. Um, he just had his way with them. Um, scoring in the paint, mid-range, three-point line, just did whatever you wanted against Portland. And I think that's their biggest problem defensively. They don't really have a guy that can stop somebody. They can't get a key stop, um, and which ends up leading to them losing a lot of close games. Losing by three to Mississippi State, um, by 11 to, to Tennessee, three to South Carolina. I mean, these close games, they just can't get those key stops. Um, and as far as it goes with Kevon Allen or, or Jalen Hudson, whose team it is, it's definitely not Jalen Hudson. Um, I like him as a player, but he's taking about 30% of the shots when he's on the floor, and he's shooting 29% from the field. Um, anytime the percentage of shots you take is higher than your percentage of shots you're making is never a good sign. Um, he's sort of reverting back to his Virginia Tech days um, where he's taking too many shots and not, not doing it efficiently. Um, so I, I think he really needs to take a step back um, and take what the defense has given him. Don't force things. Um, take less shots um, and, and become the defender that you that Jalen Hudson should be. He's 6'6", he's long, he's strong, um, very athletic, so he should be a much better defender than he is. Um, and I think that'll solve some of their offensive problems. And Andrew Nemhart has to take control a little bit more. I know he's a freshman, but um, really needs to take the ball and get people involved. I know when guys like Noah Locke are knocking down jumpers, um, Keontae Johnson or Keith Stone are playing well, this team's hard to stop. Um, but they're really just getting in their own way right now. Yeah, I think Andrew Nebhard needs to play more like he played at uh, Montford with R.J. Barrett and be a pass-first uh, kind of initiator of the offense. Like he, he can have games where he doesn't have to score, but he's going to have a massive impact because he can have 10 assists like it's nothing. Um, he's a big-bodied guard that can defend as well. Um, and this is a team I think that next year could surprise people because – so they're going to lose Kevon Allen and Jalen Hudson um, I and Kavarius Hayes, but everyone else should be back, I would expect. Um, and they're starting three freshmen right now, Nebhard, Noah Locke, and Keontae Johnson. All three, I think, are really special and have the ability to take a massive step. Um, and then there are a couple sophomores they play in Dante Bassett and DeAndre Ballard. Both have had huge impacts for them so far this year as, like, energy-type players. Um, so I'm interested to see what can happen if they maybe get inserted into a starting lineup next year. 
Um, and then Keith Stone also is a pretty good uh, – he, he's very athletic. He can score it better than I think people think he can. Um, I think they just don't – they haven't figured out how to use the, all this talent they have. Uh, I have a hard time just putting it on Jalen Hudson and Kevon Allen. Like, to me, it starts from the top. Obviously, as senior leaders, I expect more from both of them. Um, but if they're not led the right way and not – like, the team's not put in the best situation – I don't. I don't know like how much they can change that. Yeah, it it really does come because it's something that I experienced in my college time, my freshman year. We had insane talent on our team, um, and ended up missing the tournament just because we couldn't put it together. The coach couldn't lead it the right way. Like we just everything wasn't working the way it should have worked, and then the next year we lost a lot of talent and we're a much better team. So. Um, it's something that they're they're really just getting in their own way. I know I said it before, um, but if they can figure it out, who takes what shots when, um, and really stick to a game plan uh, on offense, uh, they can really figure this out and turn into a dangerous team. Because like we've said, this this team is loaded with talent. Um, a lot of guys that can play a lot of different positions. I mean, Keontae Johnson starts at the four, um, but he's 6'5". I mean, he, he can play a wing position. He can play almost like a, an off-ball guard. Um, and then you got like a bunch of guys that are just 6'3", 6'5", 6'6", 6'8", just coming off the bench, a bunch of size and, and speed coming in um, that know how to play the game. It's just... The, the leadership there doesn't seem like it's strong, so they're they're going against each other. Yeah, something's wrong. I mean, you need one clear voice and one direction for the whole team to go in in order to reach full potential, and it doesn't seem like they have that starting the year with probably their best player being questioned about his practice habits and his uh, effort level in practices, and now they, he's back and kind of being reinserted into the lineup and they still can't get it figured out. Like, There's got to be some sort of change or they just hopefully get it all figured out quick right now. Um, and I, they have seven Quadrant 1 games left. Uh, unfortunately, those games come against two times against Kentucky, two against LSU, one against Tennessee, one against Auburn, one against Ole Miss. So good luck getting any of those. But if they can win all of them, maybe we can still talk about them in the tournament. But that's <laughs> that's a... Like finding a needle in a haystack, kind of. Yeah, yeah, I think they're going to miss out unless they figure it out right now because they play Ole Miss tonight at home, then play Kentucky at home, go to Auburn, and then go to Tennessee uh, over the next four games. So if they don't, if they can't figure it out then, um, I think that's a little bit too late. Um, but, yeah, I think that's good on um, Florida – one last break, we'll get into our picks, the trade, and the last study. I could play this game forever. Oh, I could. Do I it. love it, don't you? I love it, yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing where literally I play the game and it's like four hours go by. Fate has me highly skilled and loaded with talent. All right, so we're going to get into the trade first. Uh, Zach's going to give me a college trade here, then we'll get into our picks. So, what are the teams who's being traded? All right, so in a, in a first for a college podcast, I'm going to trade between two teams we've just recently discussed. Um, so 
Florida, obviously, we've kind of come to the conclusion they're done this year. Um, so this is kind of like a college buyout almost. But I'm going to trade uh, Kevon Allen from Florida to LSU for Javante Smart. Javante Smart is a guy that I, I do like at LSU. I think he's a good freshman. I think he can develop into a solid player. But if you think about LSU and you think, say, Nasreed leaves and you have Trey Waters, who should still be there, I would think, next year, and you have this solid young core, you can put in that senior that I don't think has been the problem at Florida. That's why I chose him instead of Jalen Hudson. I think he's uh, – I, I would rather have him on my team, I think, than Jalen Hudson. Put him in and just take a chance and try to get as far as you can in the tournament um, while Nas Reed's still there, while Trey is playing the way he is. And I think Kevon Allen can add some nice wing scoring on that team, play as a nice off-ball player to to go along with Trey and uh, Skyler Mays. Um, and then, on the other hand, Florida gets to just continue to stockpile these good, talented freshmen to go along with Keontae Johnson to go along with Andrew Nebhard um, and, and try to build for the future. I like it. I think that's exactly what LSU needs. Um, a guy that can go get his own shot um, and take some pressure off Trey and um, Nas Reed um, and a little bit of Skyler. Uh, but I think he would fit in there pretty seamlessly because of how good of a point guard Trey Waters is. Um, and then on the other side, Florida needs to do something. Um, and getting a guy like Javante Smart, I think it's very solid, um, makes good decisions, isn't overly emotional, seems like a guy that can fit in anywhere um, and can develop, can be a, a very good four-year starter, uh, or a three-year starter, I mean. Um, so uh, I don't see anything wrong with that. Maybe um, uh Florida asked for another scholarship or something, but again, sure. these are all made up. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's let's get to the picks. Who do you got? We're I think we're gonna all gonna pick for um, Saturday. What is it? February second. Wow, February already. Know, um, right? I'll give you games games to watch real quick, then I'll give you my pick. So. Uh, this is Wednesday, but Thursday we have Temple at Houston, Arizona at Arizona State. Friday we have Maryland at Wisconsin. Saturday, just seriously get popcorn or whatever, sit on the couch, pizza, wings, something like that. Um, up until 4 o'clock is all you have to do because after 4 o'clock they really don't have many games. But St. John's at Duke, uh, Virginia Tech at NC State, North Carolina at Louisville, Texas at Iowa State, good luck, Michael, Mississippi State at Ole Miss, Kentucky at Florida, Texas Tech at Kansas. That's literally up until the 4 o'clock game, so have fun there. Um, but my pick, going closer to home, uh, well, closer to my heart, I guess, not really home, but I'm taking Duke um, in the St. John's game. St. John's has been really struggling of late. Uh, I don't think Shamori Pons is going to be as good as he normally is because of Trey Jones. Uh, and I just don't worry too much about the rest of the St. John's team. Um, and this is a revenge game for Duke because Shimori beat him last year by dropping like 40. Uh, and I think the spread's going to be uh, probably around 15 and a half in favor of Duke. I think St. John's Syracuse are on similar levels. Um, and that was the spread in the Syracuse game. So I'm going Duke minus 15 and a half at home against St. John's. 
Yeah, I think that's uh, like an 85-55 game. Nah, maybe not that much, but uh, I, I do think Duke handles uh, St. John's very easily. Um, for me, I'm going into a, a game that's not going to be a blowout, uh, or at least it's not supposed to be. And I'm going with, with the game Texas Tech at Kansas. Kansas off of two straight losses. I think rebounds really strong here. Um, able to score against Texas Tech's defense. I think Diedrich Lawson, although he's getting probably going to be covered by Tariq Owens, um, is going to have a solid day. Uh, but with Gerald Vick, Devon Dotson, um, and the freshman that we didn't talk about when we were um, when we went over Kansas because he was supposed to redshirt, um, but Oche Agbaji, is that how you say it? Yeah, close enough. <laughs> yeah, um, he's been awesome for them. Um, but the game last night against Texas, I think he put up like twenty one. Um, something like that, um, but he twenty four. So he he's been playing really well for them. Gives a, a someone in the the backcourt that can score, and I think they they respond really well. I think this spread is going to be Kansas minus five and a half, um, and I'm going to take the five and a half. Yeah, I think that will be an exciting game to watch. I think it'll be a a lower scoring but very competitive game. Kind of like we saw against Texas for most of the game, honestly. I think uh, Kansas kind of has a repeat-type game. Uh, and I like teams that kind of experience the same type of play style two games in a row. Yeah, they can adjust to it, and, and I think they're going to come out strong for it um, and ultimately win by eight or nine points. Sure. Um, yeah, what, what, uh, what study you got for us? All right, so this one's going to sound super scientific, but I'm going to dumb it, dumb it down to where I think hopefully I can understand it and other people can understand it too. Um, so it's a study on gray matter in the brain of golfers specifically, but um, it obviously will apply to all aspects, all sports, everything. Um, so, so gray matter in our brain is used to process information, basically. The more gray matter you have, the quicker you can process, think, all that type of stuff. So more gray matter, good. That's all you need to know about that. So training, uh, so they, they had golfers practice uh, either self-paced based on a, uh, a regimen, like a strict training schedule, um, and as intense or as not intense as they pleased, um, and, and they studied their brains after 40 hours of practice. So that could, someone could practice for 40 hours in one week while the other person could have practiced 40 hours and it took them a couple months. Um, and, and after they analyzed their brain, they saw that the gray matter increased in all the subjects all across, no matter what intensity, level, regimen you used, anything. So basically this was the first study to show us as sports uh, – changes our brain, especially golf, which is considered a leisure activity. Um, and, and that can apply to like basketball. Like you could go out in your driveway and shoot free throws and work on a spin move, work on going between the legs, something like that. And it's going to literally change the gray matter in your brain and just make you process information and overall have a better, uh, more efficient brain. I think that's pretty incredible that sports has, basically sports can strengthen your brain just by you going out in your yard and 
doing something you like or whatever, going to practice, you're actually helping your brain in the long run. That, that's nuts. I wouldn't have put that together. Um, but if you, as you were talking, I was really thinking about it. Makes sense because I mean you're constantly challenging your brain to learn new skills, um, especially in a sport like basketball where you have to learn to play with your opposite hand, something that a normal person may not do anything with their opposite hand in an entire day. Um, in basketball, you're really working on complex problems with that that hand, so uh, that definitely makes sense. And that's, I guess, that's why I'm so smart. <laughs> yeah, you spend a lot of time in your outside in front of your house on that basketball hoop i know oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh that's cool um anything else you want to add to to this podcast no so we'll we'll finish up that i think we're finishing the sec right yeah we got so the last three teams we have are tennessee auburn and And kentucky kentucky peace out after that one um (laughs) yeah so You'll enjoy that one, I'm sure. That'll be a nice podcast of some pretty talented teams. Yeah, and in between this one and that one, we'll we'll do another NBA podcast um, and go over what's going on with Anthony Davis. So tune in for that one for sure, and then we'll uh, we'll be back with another college one probably in the next week or so. Yep. So we'll start getting these out a little bit more regularly. Regularly, jeez, struggling to speak, but. <laughs> Um, Turn it off before we say something bad. <laughs> I know, right? Last weekend we were both pretty busy, so um, we'll start picking it up here. Uh, but, yeah, stay tuned for the next ones. Um, but, yeah, here's DJ Zenus for the outro. Up in the basement, party hard to the cops show up. Get out on the floor, all I want to